love you to introduce yourselves. Um, I'll uh, I'll do it in the order. Steve will drop out of the order. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll start the order. Give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself and where you are currently and what the work you do, and then we'll get through the discussion. Yeah. Can we start with you, Kate? Oh gosh, me. Uh, <laughs> yes, hello everyone. Um, uh, well, I my background is twenty years in teaching. I was a hod in the state sector and then um, moved to the dark side and started working as a consultant with the independent sector, looking at edtech and developing their digital strategies. Um, the last three years, that's found me at Eton, uh, uh, working as academic technologist and embedding iPads and 365 into the curriculum there. Thanks, Kit. Um, Lawrence? Hi, I'm Lawrence Sajani. Um, background has been in teaching for 10 years. Um, I left to um, take up EdTech Consultancy and helping schools implement technology in their schools. And also I run a social enterprise called Just A Guy Foundations that work with underserviced communities. Thanks, Lawrence. And we're um, excited to get into some of that today as well and how it will support in this sector. So, uh, Johnny or Jonathan, sorry, sorry. I forgot it's nearly Sunday. It's Jonathan today, Ben. Sorry, um, sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> nice to meet you all, guys. Uh, yeah, similar story, 20 years in education. Um, I'm finally out of it this year to uh, pursue full-time listening, learning, consulting, and coaching. The thing I've most enjoyed about COVID is all these meetings where I get to see what people's houses look like on the inside. Nice stairs, Lawrence. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, Kelly. Hello there. Um, I've been teaching about 16 years and I've taught out of 12, but I particularly enjoy nerding out uh, teaching English and drama in the middle years. And I'm currently working at Halcyon uh, in central London. Thank you. And last but not least, Jess. Yeah, sorry, I was the one that dropped out there. <laughs> um, I think everyone. Steve kicked you out. Steve kicked you out, so it wasn't him that dropped out. I'm blaming it on you, Steve. Um, yeah, hi, everyone. I'm uh, Jess Marsh. I'm currently the Director of Digital Learning for Canopy, but I've been in education also, I think, 16 years. Kelly and I have that in common, and I have worked in all kinds of schools um, in different countries and international schools, and excited, um, yeah, to now I'm in the UK, although... I do. You probably probably detect my American accent. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't hold that against you. Very nice of you to let me on. <laughs> yeah, we, we we even we even let Americans on. Yeah, yeah. No, no joking. No, we're grateful for you to uh, for you to be here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And as we get into this now, the theme obviously is around moving forward, and we're looking at the senior school phase about how we design our curriculum to to enhance engagement and how we can learn the lessons from COVID really um, and, and what we're going to do to move forward. So I wonder if I could come to to you first, um, Kelly. So this is, there we go. So everybody's like, ah, oh, let's have a brief sigh release, relief and you can all jump on after. But Kelly, I wonder if you can just talk to us about some of the work you've been doing at Halcyon around this synchronous and asynchronous element. And if there's anything that you might want to bring back um, to, to the more of a face-to-face -face learning. Sure. I think that the, the two lockdowns uh, was a real opportunity for the introverts amongst, uh, you know, our classes that, that it gave them a, a segue, I think. And I think that uh, that sort of learning for teachers has been wonderful because we're now able to, 
you know, in, even through like Jamboard and different tools like that, students are able to find their voice in other ways where they might have shrunk away in the past. Uh, we, we, we did offer at different times, uh, you know, obviously in-person and virtual um, learning. And I think obviously we're all enjoying being back, but I think it's interesting looking at the difference between the first and the second lockdown. I think the first was very much about sort of logistics and just let's let's try and maintain some traction. But the second time around, student voice has been really welcomed at our school. And so the feedback from students is actually they're coming back saying it's near pod saturation on our end. Can we, can we, we love the teachers are using this, but it's it's a lot. Can we, can we diversify? So our school's really big on student voice and, and it's just great to get their insights and and go, actually, yeah, what what could we be doing differently and, and how could we achieve the same results without overloading them with 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 a with a tool that they might be getting a finding a bit tired. Uh, so yeah, I think yeah, obviously it's been a, a great learning opportunity for, for all staff, depending regardless of where they are at. But yeah, the student voice aspect and and the, the scope for introverts to to kind of that, have a bit more participation. Those are the really just really exciting things that have come out of it for us, I think, and also rethinking what collaboration looks like as well. So, yeah, I think they're the big take homes for as far as where where I stand at our school. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. I don't know if anybody else wants to jump on that about learnings that we've got from in terms of asynchronous yeah i will i think it's really interesting what kelly's saying um around the nearpod saturation and and the introverted um student angle we've kind of got a different take on that in that um coming back from it all uh people have understood just how much they possibly they weren't hearing when we were face to face before and having had the opportunity to get an answer from every student for every question you ask, this has opened eyes to what's possible in the face-to-face -face environment as well. So moving forward, we're taking that learning and we're saying, okay, so much as, yeah, we don't want to do it to death and we absolutely adore being back and, you know, using the whole of our faces, good God, who knew, um, to communicate again. We've got this back channel, if you like, that we can continue to use to pick up on those students who maybe now are coming, are going back into their shell, are sitting and going, you know, this doesn't quite work for us again, giving them an opportunity to be far more part of it and the teachers to get far more understanding of where they sit on their learning than they did before. Yeah. Um, I'll just jump in on that as well. Um, I think just from an external kind of point of view is actually it's enabled some school refusers as well it's given them a voice by using asynchronous and also students that might have um a debilitating um condition it's actually empowered them and actually lowered their anxiety of the lessons that they're missing and actually they're actually being included in all the planning in terms of what's going on in the classroom because it has happened before where actually someone misses school it's actually okay here's a sheet to send over to them but actually they're involved in the planning from the beginning with asynchronous. And that's what I've really liked, loved about asynchronous learning too. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's a lesson that we learned in the in the first discussion around uh, the primary phase as well, about in being able to include those that might still have some accessibility issues. Um wh whether that is whether that is a physical distance, because um Katie was talking about students that are still in Russia that couldn't get over to the to the school, but also the the, the more um, 
that are, that, are, that are not necessarily physical distances, but are accessibility in terms of their their personality type. I think that's really important what you said there, Kelly, that we, we're catering here now for the learning of not the, the loud people in, in the classroom. And as you can only imagine, I was never that person in the classroom. I was always the shy, retiring, quiet one who had to, the answers had to be dragged out of me. But you, you can imagine genu genuinely what my, it would have been like in, in my kind of classroom. And I, and I went into... Um, to, to a private school and um and I think that learning and that ability to have some technology um to, to support that has been something that we've learned now Johnny I know that sorry Jonathan I know that you have been um uh, been been instrumental in in, de in developing technology in the schools that you've been involved with I wonder if there's anything that you that you wanted to add to that in terms of how the technologies helped with that level of um integration Oh, yeah, but I think it's far more insightful now being at home for 12 months with our own two girls and seeing how, you know, <laughs> rubber actually hits the road. Um, I'd really love to pick up on uh, on this point of, um, you know, who does this type of learning uh, best serve? And our kids are the nerdy, most wonderful nerds of all nerds. And they were really looking forward to getting back to school, but uh, two and a half days, that was enough. They came back saying, you know, two and a half great days is brilliant to see my friends, but after that, that's kind of enough. Why don't schools just bring us in for when we kind of need to be together and let us work on our own when we can work on our own? Because two days is fine to see my mates. And I found that the most powerful thing that I, you know, more than, you know, five years driving technology in an institution that was slightly resistant listening to these girls just hit the nail on the head i thought wow that's pretty beautiful i'd love to make the parallel there also to what employers are looking at in the workplace you know that whole kind of how many days do we really need to go into the office how many um you know hours do we really need to be in meetings in person and just that whole bigger aspect of the effect on me uh, globe, you know, the climate and environment and the social emotional needs. I don't, there's so much there to think about that this has all made a huge opportunity to move forward in so many ways. I just hope um, these things are being considered by the right people in the different organizations, you know, the change agents and the leaders that can actually, with hopefully support of others, um, change those kind of policies and structures. It's it's radical that though, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's super super radical. Um, that suggestion that we pr we perhaps only need to go into school or work two and a half three days a week. Um, you like I can imagine that suggestion to a parent um, might be a might be an interesting position. Um, I know that I uh, did a bit of homeschooling. I know you saying that, Jonathan. Uh, um, I did some homeschooling as well. Uh, wow. Wow, like my parents are both primary school teachers and uh, I've worked in secondary, but there is nothing worse than having to educate your own children. I love them a lot. They are nerds as well, but uh, it's hard, isn't it? And I suppose the, from a teaching point of view, there is there is a lot that they can do independently, but there's, there's obviously this element of collaboration that there's an expectation they're going to have to be in the classroom, the expectation they're going to be in the, in the school. So how do we... How do we do that? Or, or, or maybe that's a wrong expectation. Should should we be radical and suggest that the expectation? Now, then that's going to mean implications in terms of fees, in terms of boarding and what that looks like and all the things that go with that. But the question is, 
is there um, is there an opportunity to to rethink some of that? I don't know. Maybe I'm just spouting philosophical musings again. Yeah, maybe, I guess I'm a radical, obviously, but I guess also just to kind of go off of what you said, Dan, um, Ben. Sorry, is the um, idea of taking that maybe and having uh, whether it's parents or someone at school, like the boarding masters or house masters, taking the kids to do something else for those other couple days, going on some field trips, whether they're virtual or in um, person field trips. And, you know, we can do that as parents. Wouldn't that be preferable to trying to make them do their homework on uh, Google Classroom, you know, and forcing them through the math that you, that the parent might not understand themselves, you know, so rather to say, oh, here, be the teacher at home, just be a parent, take them, let them have experiences and, and do those things. Work. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I think there is, there is something there. Yeah, Johnny? If I may, Ben, yeah, I, I don't see any problem with thinking really radically. I think today's an absolutely brilliant opportunity to think radically. If that translates into being radical in school, yeah, that's a different matter. But I mean, I always thought the fashion industry was bonkers, right? You've got this runway and strangely weird looking people walk up and down in things that you never think people are going to wear. And yet at some point that exotic thinking translates ultimately to H&M where I can go and buy a t-shirt that's actually inspired by you know seasonal colors. But there's a process there, isn't there? So yeah, we should be utterly responsible for thinking as dynamically and radically as we possibly can. By the time it actually ends up in the classroom, it'll be a slightly more measured version. And I'm okay with that, as long as we get going and start thinking. Lawrence. Is the first step, is the first step in that um, elaborating and showing um, what's possible in regards to peer-to-peer to peer connections, collaboration online? Is, is that um, the first step in terms of allowing a 50-50 split of a timetable? Um, I'm just going to um, jump onto back of Jonathan and hopefully touch on that question as well, um, Stephen. But I think what we've got here, right, is that we're hitting reset. This is the first time where, like, the industry and schools have to deal with the same thing in terms of working remotely. So why not try and embrace some of that? We're always saying, or teach, some people used to say, we're preparing you for the real world. I used to always think that was a bit wrong to say to students. They live in the real world. We're preparing you for the working world, right? And it's actually adapting some of those skills that they will be going into and how industries have changed as well. So I really think this is a great time to think radically as well and develop collaboration and, and all of that as well. Agreed. Kelly? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what, what has just been said. And I think it's also thinking about what we expect a school to look like. I just think about parents coming through for an open day and it could be potentially off-putting for them. It, it actually can appear a bit like a ghost town when actually there's productive things going on all over the place and at home and that sort of thing. But it's reinventing what we expect to see when we come into a school does, does noisy and busy and populated equal successful or is it just what we're used to, you know, and I guess drawing on what Lawrence was saying, preparing students for this working world, uh, I think that, that, that that's absolutely apt. And so looking at, you know, businesses that are now moving towards a one day in the office model, but then they're also hiring co-working spaces. And, you know, there's some, some really lovely co-working spaces in Shoreditch and that sort of thing. And just, 
you know, there's nothing sort of stopping schools from doing this where there is that social aspect. Students are not at home and parents aren't expected to supervise them and teach them. But just to build that kind of collaboration and goal setting and autonomy, uh, it doesn't have to look the way it always it always used to look. And I think the real shame, we've all weathered the storm, hopefully we're nearly there, the real shame would be to just, you know, force our way back to where we were and so that there is a lot of great learning we could have so that it, it does tick these boxes I think yeah I agree and Kate was it something that you wanted to jump on there as well oh heavens I've had about 15 thoughts since then listening to you all <laughs> um but something that that comes to mind right now is the that I think we ought to be mindful of that kickback that reaction against the digitization of education you know for the last 18 months and the understanding that we look we need to be looking to maximize those the good parts of it the 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 levels of um collaboration of co-working that we're able to achieve through technology that maybe we we weren't aware of or using as frequently before um without getting to the point where we're dealing with a wall of angst where every time we mention looking at a screen I think there's a there's a happy medium to be had and maybe that's where you know the conversation comes around to the design of the curriculum and looking at what outcomes we're asking of our pupils because when we start looking at that and we focus thoughts as to to what this learning represents in, ter in a tangible term at the end of this unit at the end of this term then we can start being creative as to how we get there and the skills that we um, we embed in our students on on their journey to that point, rather than focusing too much on on things that are likely to scare the horses. Yeah, it is. I really feel like it's that we don't want to be. We want to innovate out like with a vision of of leaving the current model. And to, in terms of like, I've heard it. I'm about to really paraphrase and mess up. Uh, probably a really nice quote here, but without referencing the person because I can't remember who said it. But uh, you know that whole idea of of that if if we'd have left the transformation of the transport industry in the hands of the people who were were um, who were preparing the horses a uh, hundred years ago, they would have just built they would built better horses. I, I don't think they would have built better horses, but they would have they would have they would have trained the horses to get better and to get faster, and they would the carriages would have gotten gotten better. However, it, it 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 needed somebody to think outside the box and 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 design the car, um, and I think when you talk about that designing the designing the curriculum, I think that's so vital to it. How and we're, at the minute our curriculum points towards an endpoint assessment. It doesn't always point towards the the careers, the 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 industry, the the emerging markets within within um, our regions. And I, I've been doing a bit of work recently with the the local enterprise partnership in the northeast, and we've been having conversations around this idea, um, and just going back to something like the the Samar model, and that very much over the last twelve months, our schools have innovated so much; they really have. But a lot of it has been at that substitution level. It's been at that level of, well, how do we take a classroom that's physical and put it online? And we've done an amazing job of that, an absolutely fantastic job. When we've gotten comfortable with that, we've we've done a bit of augmentation. So we've started to use some um, some automation to, to help us with assessment, um, to simple things like a Google form. Um, but we've started to augment how we do things. But 
I don't think that many, um, and I'm about to do a really big generalization here, but in my experience, I don't think many leaders are aware of the transformational element of technology. Um, and I think our focus, if we want to, if we really want to be visionary with this, our focus has to go to the to the redefinition stage. And I, and I'm as as I go further in my career, um, I'm really starting to say that we have to almost we have to think outside of the model. Um, and that, and that's going to come. That's going to bring with it some some big challenges, political challenges, um, kind of half of the educational um, sector. Uh, in terms of their views and it, it, massive challenges, but it's how, how how do we allow and how do we create an environment, I guess, for for transformation when we we're sitting at the moment within a within an old model. I guess that's a massive question. I realise that, uh, Kate. Thank you. Well, I, the, this one of my latest hobby horses is that sort of looking to those schools. Oftentimes, um, the the uh, independent international schools that have a, a community service program because during COVID that model has allowed for real transformation and redefinition of what their community service aspects of program how can we change the world for the better around us and their learning has been towards that ends using digital tools because we've been remote so how fantastic if we could take some of that goodness and put it into our bog standard everyday curriculum i know kelly and i have actually talked about this in the past but if anyone is not aware of the global goals sdgs we can put a link in the chat or something that's what i would love personally to see things moving forward and moving towards uh, empowering students to solve the global goals, which relate to all different uh, types of issues that are um, facing the universe in itself. So, Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that it's something beyond themselves. I, I did a bit of a talk recently about, and Georgina talked about six C's. I, I came up with 10. Uh, I think there's probably 200 that you could go to that all begin with a letter C. Talking about that idea about compassion, and I think it ties really nicely into that, doesn't it, Jess, about thinking, actually... In this, this is a perfect time where people have suffered, where people have been isolated, where people have had to do something different. That we could, our, our young people that are so uh, that, have, that have suffered as well. What what could they do that could make a difference? And maybe that's the uh, that's the maybe that's the lesson to be learned, or one of the lessons to be learned about moving forward. That we can do something that's bigger than just passing exams. Um, and it, I, don't, I know everybody knows I get an RBOs about exams. I'm not anti-exams in this sense, though. I'm talking about something wider, and I think people um, people are in that as well, aren't they? So, don't know. I don't know if anybody's anybody's with me on that. I know Lawrence, you're really passionate about things um, ar around this, and I know that you're you, you're just a guy. Foundation. Some of the stuff you've done around careers has been has been really important around that yeah, we wider should. conversation. Just before Lawrence, just before you jump into that, you should give your event a plug because uh, a lot of my students uh, were on it last year and really got a lot from it. Well, thank you. So we're doing an online careers fair for 14 to 19 year old students who've missed out on work experience. And I think this actually falls into kind of what I'm really passionate about is we talk about so much about giving people a seat at the table, but that's just one step. There's no point in giving them a seat at the table if they've not got the utensils to eat at the table. And that's what I say to my students all the time is like, make sure you have the utensils to eat at that table. So that 
actually fits in with everything we're talking about moving forward. How are we empowering these students when they leave to make sure that actually they have the right skill set, they are able to adapt? I can take, for example, for, for me, what was a big thing in the area that I came from is I got my exam grades and everything, but it took me a year to actually under, to understand the working world in terms of communication and how to respond to stuff. But no one taught me that. I, I was just taught to actually get your exam grades and if you get through uni, life will be absolutely fine. And <laughs> it's just the beginning of all your problems when you finish university, right? So that's what I'm very passionate about in terms of actually Let's help our young people drive their own social mobility. Yeah, I love it. And I think what, what, you, what you're talking about there is, is, so, is so, so important. And I wasn't even necessarily thinking that we would have gone down that route in terms of, um, in terms of compassion and wider things and, uh, and, the, and the SDGs. But I think this is absolutely fundamental to what we do um, going forward. So just just as we kind of move into it as well, um, I know I'm going to flick back into something that I maybe talked about earlier. But one of the things that I know a lot of us will have done in the um, during the pandemic will have been recorded lessons. Now, from getting the lighting right to getting the camera in the right place to making sure that you could share your screen, uh, all that kind of stuff. And recording lessons, and and I know I mentioned about asynchronous, but I wonder if there's 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 scope for some of that in the future, recorded lessons and students working at their own pace on things, um, learning additional outside of the classroom. Could we use some of that technology or that kind of pedagogy to support some of the, the wider things that we were talking about sooner? Jess, you're nodding. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing I'm, I'm saying something that, that, might, that might be useful <laughs> and I'm not just talking nonsense. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about this earlier and, you know, Khan Academy, of course, that you know, they started the whole video idea or even brain pop, like those small kind of bite-sized things of learning. Of course, brain pop is the um, cartoon graphic fun version, but um, just it, it's been working for a while, actually. Khan Academy has lots of research that shows that those video-based um, instruction does actually help. And it it's because students can, of course, watch that back and learn at their own pace. and. Uh, I think it's lovely when that comes from the teacher that they see every day and why not continue to do that now that lots of teachers are experts in using Screencastify and other tools. <laughs> and then in a matter of like taking it forward, um, I would love to see more interactive kinds of things, kind of like what we've tried to do with workspace skills, our interactive tutorials and taking that learning in to another level with some AI integration. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And I think the yeah, the, the workspace skill stuff is an interesting one there because that allows learners to work at their own pace. Um and I think that that self-pace is something that is uh, maybe has been like the panacea in 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 education that we should allow students we differentiation has always been the teacher's job um to make sure that everybody learns. Um although I do find this funny because I remember when I was at school, um and I know you're going to think, well, that was because you were learning on stone tablets, Ben. But nobody ever, um, I don't remember a time anybody ever gave me anything different than everybody else. Maybe that was because I wasn't clever enough to do that. I don't know. But I, I, I think that the idea about differentiation and that idea about um, self-paced and learners having some kind of ownership 
I know, Steve, you've, been, you've talked about this quite a lot in terms of staff owning their own CPD, but also learners owning their learning. Um, th there's something probably in that, isn't there? Kelly, you were, you were nodding. At, and maybe you're just nodding to be polite, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's anything that, that, you, that, that you've seen in that, in that um, idea. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't just nodding to be polite in the end, actually, Ben. I uh, I uh, we had some students who were abroad, and the time difference was very problematic. We had students in Brazil, uh, different parts of the US, and uh, sometimes they would get up at three or four a.m. and and then struggle through the school day. And actually, uh, in the end, all of our lessons were live. But I think sort of like what Jess was saying, there, there's so much scope for differentiation, but I don't think that, I think, you know, if we had our time again, don't speak too soon. But it, it may be that students that are quite, you know, there is that time difference factor. I think, you know, Screencastify is wonderful when I need to set a cover lesson because I can talk students through the materials and they can work through it at their own pace and, and check, double check things. But I think it's about, reaching every single student and meeting them at their level and if that's obviously whether it's from a learning perspective but also something that we haven't needed to think about is time difference and so uh yeah i guess just just trying to apply some of that learning to any potential future issues might be might be a really great thing agreed um, you gonna jump in, sorry? yeah well I, to my mind if once we're all back you know God willing, we're all back in the same space. I see this uh, this new learning we have around asynchronous content as the perfect opportunity to maximise the enrichment content we can give. So let's forget the curriculum and let's look further. What else would they like to learn? What other passions do we have as educators that we can communicate to them that's going to rock their world outside of their formal learning? Yeah, let's get away from this idea of just the boundaries of, hey, we're heading towards this exam that that's it isn't it? and i was i was nodding very vigorously then because that's it it's about passion projects it's about what the learners want to learn we've 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 had some great conversations with some some educators i know josh darn who's coming on our edu futures awards talks about that passion projects um the the guys at agora have, have, have done some of this but if we if we can use technology to to support that kit i think um that sounds really really exciting um steve i know you wanted to jump in with something didn't you but We'll give him a little bit of space so when he when he turns his mic on, we can he can speak. I turned it on ten minutes ago. It's just kicked in, so hopefully, um, I'm I'm with everybody and I'm at about the same level and I'm not talking uh, at one o'clock and it's actually three o'clock. But uh, a great question from from Georgina um, around if the role of of what is the role of teachers if students are becoming um, self um, regulators? Does that change? Does that mix things up? Um, Johnny, what's your insights? How how does the role of the teacher, and how do we support teachers through CPD and their understanding to not be scared of potentially what is next and what is the new age of teaching and learning? Oh, it's a super fantastic question. Um, yeah, on the one hand, it's pretty scary for anybody who's been in teaching and learning for a while because it means really a major shift in your own sort of. Uh, position on the stick as it were but how exciting if you're like you know if you're coming out of college and thinking about becoming a teacher that would be brilliant right now because you get preloaded with this realization that you are primarily facilitator you might even have your ai or your robot facilitator in the room with you uh, and you're there 
to help kids with their individual problems based on personalized learning. You know, fantastic. I'd love to be a teacher right now. Um, on the other hand, if I was getting nearer the end of my career and I hadn't been a natural, slightly techie person, I'd be feeling, I don't know, just imagine how bad it is to go through a pandemic feeling isolated and not in control you know it's it's that <laughs> but back in the classroom suddenly everybody wants to use digital tools and i can't it must be the same feeling as not being able to read and everybody else can read it's that debilitating i think there was a comment yesterday from a teacher in a conference and I'm not being smug about it at all, but the teacher said, I think it should be up to the teachers whether we use technology in our schools. And I thought about it for a minute, and you know, I rarely get judgy and disagree with people, but I thought, no, that's wrong. It shouldn't be the teacher's decisions. It's, it's, we're past that. I wouldn't go to the dentist right now and have the dentist say to me, I'm going to extract your tooth by tying a piece of string to that doorknob over there. And I'm going to shout the assistant, they'll come in, your tooth will come out. I'd expect them to give me the most up-to-date treatment using, you know, what I what I would expect is the, uh, the best tools available for the job. Um, and that's where we should be in education. It should be expected of teachers and their institutions to provide... Uh, the best way of doing things, even if the outcome is the same at the end of the day, even if my tooth gets ripped out this way or that way. It's about, you know, doing it the best we can. And digital uh, tools offer the leverage to do things in a better way than we've ever had before. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that, that play on te teachers can make the decisions, but as long as at the forefront, their why is, is the students and their experience of learning, not for the benefit of, of of them potentially i think we can support them and it does lead in if i'm not sure if anybody wants to jump in before we move on to cpd and coaching for the broad spectrum of teachers that those people who are fearing it those people who are loving it those navigators does anybody else want to jump in on, on, on that question around facilitation of learning and the role of a teacher lawrence i think i think the key thing here for me is that we've all been in that position where We've got a student in our class and they're absolutely flying like that like they almost know the subject sometimes better than you and i think what that did for me in my lessons because i taught computing is it allowed me to kind of up my game because i realized i'm at service to these children you know and i thought how can i go away and actually engage that student even more so i think sometimes we do have to embrace it as well and the less, my best lessons have always been when I've stayed away from the comfort zone and actually gone, let's go for this, you know, let's embrace this. And even if it doesn't go right, what have I learned from it for the next class or for the next session too? Yeah, and I think um, Steve mentioned there about, about coaching. I think it might be a nice time to come in with that. Uh, we've, we've got a few minutes left, but... Um, Johnny, you mentioned kind of those staff who who kind of feel a bit like strangers in a foreign land uh, when it comes to comes to technology technology transformation, and it just kind of build on what Lawrence was saying there. How how are you how are you guys uh, dealing with with tech coaching and 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 bringing those 
bringing those people who are a bit resistant along do you, are you seeing coaching as a as a as a as a great element to that and a great help and and is it getting a, a good response is it, is it have an impact does anyone want to come in on that yeah i will um this Thanks, is it's i'm just as far as i'm concerned coaching is absolutely the way forward so i've invested time in um, doing a diploma in coaching from Warwick University because I really believe that forget just instructional coaching this is the way we need to be communicating with people in education I think inset provision is just sadly lacking and we need to shake up what this looks like in the UK as a matter of urgency I think the the crux of the matter for me is meeting every teacher from a point of need so What's the learning challenge that you need to resolve? You know, what's your, what's the problem with the learning that you would like to, you know, to look at and to work with with me? It isn't a case of, do you want to know more about Nearpod? And once you can start from that point, it doesn't matter how fusty you are in terms of your analog um, teaching practice, you'll see the reason because you want the best for your students. So if I can solve a problem, from a tech point of view, then you'll listen to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That idea of um, actually, what do you know what we're doing? We teach, we're, we're treating teachers like learners, um, yeah. and then and and that's it, isn't it? We're just talking about differentiation. We're just talking about self-paced. It's the same principle of what you're saying there. Is actually let's let's find out where they are, let's meet people where they are, and then let's help them get to where they need to get to. And and those of us who are in leadership, and I know that the next session is about head teachers in in, in the independent sector. But for all of us are, who are leaders, in fact, I would argue that anybody with any level of influence is a leader of some side uh, of some type anyway. That we've got that responsibility there. And I know that um, Jess, you've been involved in 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 coaching. In fact, in fact, there's everybody has on this call who's involved in coaching, but. The guys at Canopy have been have been have been pioneering some of the stuff around the Google certified coaching stuff, haven't they? Yeah, Laura uh, has been heading it up with us. Laura White, she's been amazing, and yeah, I think yeah, as you said, several people on here are either coaches or in some manner of, uh, or some step of the process. And I think it's really uh, important because we are lifelong learners. I think, or as or we should be if we're not and the coaching program gives you that opportunity and also to have that problem-based learning you know there's so much that just makes sense about it um and again can be done asynchronously and synchronously at a, a bit of hybrid mix everything so hopefully that kind of model will see replicated more and more in schools here I think it is coming, isn't it? It feels like more than ever, um, the, the coaching model's coming. Um, might might not be as fast as we'd like it to do, but yeah, I, I think there is there's definitely something like that's that, that starting to, to change. That that one size fits all in the assembly hall at the end of the day, um, hopefully, it's changing anyway. Kate's, Kate's, Kate's shaking her head. It's like it, it does. It makes you like I used to have loads of hair. You know, and that is all because of one size fits all assembly hall training. Um, we personalize learning for students. Why the hell wouldn't we do it for teachers? Yes, to totally agree. Totally agree. And I, um, I know that there's been some really great um, comments in the chat and some questions in the chat. And, and people have been talking about employers. 
People have been talking about why it's important that we think about careers. I know the conversation has steered us into the idea around um, uh, learning beyond the classroom for things other than just passing exams, around work experience, about passion projects and all that kind of stuff, and exam grades. And I think um, the work that we've talked about in terms of coaching and the idea, there's some really nice things around um, uh, Ian's put, um, Ian Thompson's put a nice quote in about um, this idea that we, we've got in COVID allow us to speed up um, what, what we maybe would have taken a long, long time to do. Um, and so as we kind of come to a close, I don't know if any of you have got um, any kind of closing thoughts for the secondary sector particularly. Um, we haven't even really gone into exams. I thought, I thought it's an edgy futures thing. We're going to talk about exams, but I don't know if anybody's got any thoughts. In fact, let's let's do it in let's do it in order. So let's get give people like a, a bit of a closing thought if we can. So we'll um we'll start with uh, Johnny's unmuted himself. We'll start with Johnny. I think he's got a cup of tea there on a saucer. I reckon. <laughs> um, brilliant engaging uh, with the panel. Uh, really great fun. Uh, and I think the most important thing you can do with technology is form relationships. That's one of the things it does best. Oddly enough, uh, the next recommendation recommendation I'd make to any educator is, you know, be creative, be radical. Now's the time. Thinking is messy. School's messy. It's okay. Don't be uh, fearful of that. And to classroom teachers, teach for real. Uh, somebody mentioned the sustainable goals, I think, earlier on. Uh, anything that's real, teach to that. The rest will take care of itself. Love it. Love it. K Kelly, just as we kind of come to a wrap. Yeah, it's been great uh, chatting to you all. I think that, yeah, it, it is really exciting. And just starting with the user, as Kate was saying, I think that that's really important for our students and our staff. And, yeah, maybe maybe we need to just pace it out, especially maybe we want to move a bit quicker than other people do. So just having to, to be mindful of where everyone else is at as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Jess? Yeah, earlier, uh, Jonathan mentioned the car analogy, I think it was. And if you look at where cars were 100 years ago, and you look where a what a classroom looked like 100 years ago, you know, the car has gone whew, super fast forward. And what does the classroom look like, you know, right now or before COVID looked pretty much the same, sadly. So I'm hoping that 100 years from now, it looks radically different. And um, that's starting now because of the changes that are being made now. Thank you. Uh, Lawrence? Um, I was just listening to what Jonathan said about relationships, and I think there's two words that jump to mind for me is, with our students, one of the key things that I think about is trust and connections. And I think if we bring that into staff who might be a bit resilient towards tech and everything, is actually building up trust with them and allowing them to feel they're in a safe space to go, actually, I don't understand this, I don't get this, is so important. Love it, love it. And last but not least, Kate. I don't think I have any wise words um, other than to say it's so lovely to um, engage in a positive discussion about the way forward now. And the fact that we're, the independent sector are in the place to make a change. We've got the keys to drive this. And it's about now having the, the courage to change things. 
and that that's a massive piece but my goodness if we can do it our students will thank us eh yeah totally agree. definitely thank you jonathan kelly kate lawrence and jess uh it's been a pleasure thanks for joining us so we